when you died 2,000 years ago, you died for that sin. I didn't know it was there, but you knew it was gonna be there. And in faith, listen to me, beloved, in faith, I go, I'm still his. I'm st- I am still who he says I am. I am still reconciled to him and I am still and I'm still putting that thing to death and I'm still free in him and that grace that has forgiven me is freeing me and even though I might not look like it on the outside I am the righteousness of Christ thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane Washington for more information on Sozo Church visit sozospokane.com and his purposes that he wants to build such a stage. He wants to paint such a backdrop that we would chase at the chance of being able to stand upon it and before it with all of our lives. And what is the stage? What is the backdrop? What's the symphony? What's the tapestry? What is the investment that he's made? He's trying to get you to see that Jesus is better than everything. Always. This is Sozo Church. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I promise I did not pick these verses for this day. It's just where they fell as we walked through. But let's read that one more time just because this is where we're gonna be spending the entirety of our morning together. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This morning, uh, I'd like to talk to you under the title, under the heading, under the understanding of Uh, It's time to walk, time to walk. Uh, Paul here is calling us to walk. Now, I wanna be clear for those who are maybe less familiar with the verbiage of the New Testament. Um, Walk is sort of a a term used for our lifestyle, used for how we live and behave and what what we do day in and day out. And, And Paul here is calling us to walk from the security of the reality of our relationship with Christ Jesus. He's calling us to this. Make no mistake, Paul, listen to me, is calling us to live differently because we've been reconciled. Now, I'm not gonna shy away from that. We're not gonna pull back from that. Uh, There is a rightful response to the, the, the reconciliation that takes place in the life of a believer. We ought to live, walk, behave differently if we truly believe the gospel. However, this is not merely a call to just do better. If that's all you hear in this text, oh, here we go, Paul's, Paul's going into, now I have to walk better, now I need to do better. There's far more going on here in this text than just a call to do better or to not do as bad. Because we can't miss the first word of chapter six. Do you remember it? It was just up on the screen like a second ago. We read it twice. Therefore, the cheesy Bible study thing that everyone is taught when you learn how to study the Bible in a class is whenever you see therefore, make sure you find out what it's there for. Therefore is Paul, all my precepts people are like, yeah. 
Paul here is tying what he's saying here to everything that he said in the past. And what we need to remember just by, by means of, uh, of review here is that Paul has invested a significant amount of time thus far. He has, he has, uh, he has made, he's woven a, a glorious and grand tapestry. He, he, has, he has caused and, and created a, a, a symphony that resounds with constructs and ideas not meant to simply tickle our ears or in, entice our intellect. He hasn't spent his time saying all that he said just so you can go, wow, that's neat. But rather he has a purpose and his purpose is that he wants to build such a stage. He wants to paint such a backdrop that we would chase at the chance of being able to stand upon it and before it with all of our lives. And what is the stage? What is the backdrop? What's the symphony? What's the tapestry? What is the investment that he's made? He's trying to get you to see that Jesus is better than everything. Always. In fancy $7 words, he is trying to teach us the supremacy of Christ. He's trying to show you that Jesus is better. He, he declares directly so that he might demonstrate decisively that Jesus, come on, his person and his power are at work in and through his people to accomplish fully and finally his purpose in the earth. That Jesus is better than everything. We, we hear that and what you think I'm saying is Jesus is better than anything. That's what Christians use it. Jesus is better than anything. Meaning if we made a, a teeter-totter, a scale, and we put Jesus on one side and pick your favorite thing and put it on that side, that yep, Jesus is better than that. But in reality, what Paul's trying to say is no, take everything, not just your favorite thing, take anything, everything, all of it, and put it on the scale, and the scale still would not budge. And Paul's trying to get us to understand that, but he's not doing it just so that we can go, okay, yeah, I, I know that. He's trying to paint this thing in such a way that we recognize it and we run toward it in, 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 a, in a reality that causes us to live from that reality. That Jesus is better than everything. What Paul essentially, I would summarize in these two verses is saying, okay, school's out, time to go to work. Does anybody remember how hard school used to seem before you got a job? Paul's inviting us into this journey. Because you see, the call to walk, I need us to understand this because I think we missed this. The call to walk, to walk with God in and through Christ Jesus, that call to walk with him and in him, is an invitation into the highest joy possible. It's, it's the greatest, highest joy ever. Do you realize something? That, that one, of the, one of the pictures that we get in Genesis of, of what our first parents got that we don't get, Adam and Eve, it says that, that God would walk with them in the cool of the day. Stop and recognize something, beloved. The invitation to walk with God is something that no man had received since Adam. But through Christ, the joy of that, the high calling of that has been restored to us. This is not to be seen as like, oh, here we go. Now I have to do stuff. 
No, beloved, this is, this is a call to ultimate joy. This is not legalism, it's liberation. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews that without holiness, no one can see God. So this invitation is to come and to see God. Walk with him. Walk. Allow the, the reality of the security of your relationship with him to transform the way you live. It's, it's, it's not rules and regulation, it's righteousness. Do you know that Romans tells us that, that when, when we walk in righteousness, that God is actually looking for righteous people so that he can listen to their prayers, he can listen to their heart, and he can respond to them. That's what we're invited into, is a living, breathing, active relationship, walking with God himself. Not from a distance. That's why it says in him, intimately, personally, so Paul invites us to go deeper, go higher in our faith. That's what this invitation is all about. Not a call to leave, like, okay, so we kind of got that whole gospel grace faith thing, now let's go do something else. No, what he's saying is let's explore what this really means. The way, the way I like to put it is this. It's as if what Paul has done is, is he's shown us that in Christ, God has given you uh, one of these supercars. You know these supercars, the Ferraris, the Lamborghinis, these, these amazing vehicles that have all this potential and capacity. And, and really what he's been doing thus far is telling you how amazing the car is. What power, what speed, what handling, what, what capacity this thing has. And now he's handing the keys to you and go, okay, let's go see what you can do with this thing. Let's open this thing up and see what can happen. He's not calling us to leave what he's just spent all of this time teaching us. Rather, he's saying, okay, now let's do something with it. Let's take that and let's go. Let's, let's see what this thing can, let's, let's get this puppy on the road, open her up and see what she can do. Let's find out what this life of faith is really all meant to be because it's not just simply meant to be something that's cerebral or internal only. It's a call to allow the reality of the finished work of Christ, the reconciliation that is ours to produce great joy that causes us to be transformed. I wanna be clear on this, I wanna be super clear on this. He says here, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, how do you receive him? By grace through faith. So the same way that we received is the same way we're gonna walk. So you don't even have to learn a new skill. Hallelujah. Any, any simple people in the room excited that I don't have to learn something new? I just take what I already know and just apply it here. I like that. So by grace through faith, he does it in my doing it. That's, that's our simple way of saying by grace through faith. He does it in my doing it. It's his work, it's his power at work in me, both to will and to do all that he desires for me. It's a gift, it's nothing I can earn, simply walk it out. Well, Paul's gonna actually kind of unpack that for us here. Paul, Paul tells us four ways that we walk. He gives us four ways, in this passage, four simple ways that we walk. He says you walk rooted, you walk built up, you walk established, and you walk abounding. That's, that's how we're called to walk. If, that, if you want like a framework, you, can, I need, you need to unpack this whole idea of walking thing for me. If it's not just rules and regulations, if it's not just legalism, then, then kind of unpack it. Well, let's, let's dive in here. I'm gonna go as fast as I can through this because I know we have a potluck after this and y'all get mad at me when I make you late for the potluck. I don't know why. We're, you already have food here. You don't have to drive anywhere else. You'll get food faster today than you would normally. So first, walk rooted. What does it mean to walk rooted? It means that Christ is to be our source. 
The idea here is the same as, as a plant that is, that is put in soil and is called to remain in the soil, let its roots go deep. He produced, let, let, let me say this clearly. He produces the power that produces the productivity. If you had the capacity to walk with God by yourself, you'd have done it already. I love you. See, this is the problem with this message is that legalists hate it because I'm saying it's all God's power and the, the less than legalists, the liberalist people when it comes to, to grace go like, no, 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 it's not about walking at all. No, 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 it is. I'm gonna make you all mad today. Merry Christmas. Um, the call is to, to first walk. If we're gonna walk, he says, walk in him rooted. We have to be rooted. How, how do you be rooted? Well, he, he goes on later and he tells us, he says, he says, just as you were taught. If you wanna be rooted, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this. this we, we have to allow the, 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 the roots of our life to go deep within him. And we do that through the scriptures. This is not just, we don't just sit around and, and go um over and over and over again and hope that we somehow are rooted in him. We don't just chant over and over, I'm rooted in him, I'm rooted in him, I'm rooted in him, I'm rooted in him. Doesn't even sound like I'm rooted in him anymore. We, we go deep here. We, we take the time, it's why we gave you the booklet that we gave you to help you, to give you a, a tool that you can go deeper here. Because he's sufficient. The, the, the false teaching that had crept into the church that caused Paul to write this letter was that, that somehow what Christ had done, who Christ is, all that Jesus is to us and in us and for us and through us, this teaching crept into the church and said, well, that's not really enough. You need something else as well. And the reality is, we believe the same garbage today. We think, well, yeah, Jesus is great for like Sunday morning or for my spirituality, that's great. But if I wanna find satisfaction, I have to find it somewhere else. I need the promotion, the new car, the bigger house, the better relationships. Some of us get really spiritual. I need to be able to pray more or read my Bible more. And what Paul here is saying is, look, Jesus plus nothing is everything. We are called to be rooted in that reality. We're called to stay and to abide and to remain in that reality. I love uh, Psalm 87, I believe it's seven. It says, all my springs are found in you. All my springs are found in you. He's our source. He's our everything. Christ is our source. What it means to walk rooted, I know that sounds backwards, doesn't it? Well, I'm supposed to walk, but I'm supposed to be rooted. It's because you can't walk without having a power source that gives you the ability to walk. So what Paul's saying is you gotta find your source in him. Let your roots go deep in him. Study the word, hear it preached. Discuss it with other believers Next, he says, we should walk built up. We should walk built up. I would say what he means here is this, that salvation is known through sanctification. Let me unpack those words. Salvation is known in sanctification. Sanctification is, is one of those words that we don't like using in church anymore. Sanctification is the process by which our lives are, are transformed by coming into alignment with the reality of our reconciliation with God. So you're not saved because you're transformed, but if you are saved, come on, you will be transformed. I love the way Martin Luther put it. He said, we are saved by faith alone, but not a faith that abides and stays alone. 
I'm reconciled to him because of what he's done for me. But I experience, I, I know that salvation by its outworking through me. Salvation is known in sanctification. So what I'm trying to say is this, is that transformation is a, is a process subsequent to salvation. So if you've been reconciled to Christ, if you have repented of your sins and, and been brought to him, if you have abandoned all the less, lesser things in life, I like to call them the lovers less wild than him, and if you've grabbed a hold of him, transformation is a process that you are now involved in. <laughs> I love you for the rest of your life. It's a process. Rooted, it's funny, because rooted seems like that's gonna just, it's gonna be boring. If I'm just rooted, I'm just here, I don't get to go anywhere else. Because we, we I, love the, I love the old hymn, we're, we're prone to wander, right? We like to wander. We get itching ears. We wanna go hear something else. We wanna go hear this and hear that and learn this and learn that. And I'm not against learning, I'm not against hearing, but, but when those things rob us of time that we could be allowing our roots to go deeper in Christ, hello somebody, they're actually harming us. And so we can think, well, well, if I'm just rooted in him, then I'm gonna get bored. But the reality is that rooting is meant to be something that causes growth in us. We're, we're meant to be built up in it. it, it the, the thing is, though, we, we need to realize, I love you, it takes time. Some of you need to hear this for yourself, that it takes time. A lot of you, I love you, need to hear this for someone you love. It takes time. The gospel does not promise us that somehow, suddenly, we, 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 we are reconciled and then all of our issues just go away. Now there are some things that will be transformed instantaneously. I've shared this before, I was, I was a hardcore drug addict the moment I got saved, I was hiring a kite. And the moment I experienced reconciliation, I, that was gone. I fully expected to go through uh, withdrawals. I'd done it in the past trying to get off drugs and, and I, I fully prepared myself to go through it and I didn't have any withdrawal symptoms. I didn't have any anything. It was a, a miracle. But you wanna know something hilarious? I still smoked two packs of cigarettes a day at that point in my life. And I was like, this, God delivered me from my addiction. It was great. That one took a little time. There are things that, that God will deliver us from instantaneously, but there's a lot of things left in our lives that we're called to trust him. Stay rooted, stay planted. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The same grace that forgives you is the same grace that frees you. If you're still stuck in a sin, it's because you don't believe you've been forgiven of that sin. Either because you don't really think it's a sin. Hello, somebody. You're like, I know intellectually it is, but it's not really that bad. No, it is that bad because it dishonors him. It stops you from being able to see him, enjoying him. So we're called to be rooted in him. We're called to be built up in him. I love, I love the Psalms tells us that those planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our Lord. Being planted leads to being built up. You running around to try to find all this other stuff is not gonna lead to you being built up. Be planted. Be planted, let your roots go deep. Practically, I'm just gonna say this, I believe this has application being rooted so that you can be built up 
in the very simple reality of find a local church and be planted there. And I don't just mean go to the services regularly. You should go to the services regularly. I mean build relationship with other believers in that community. That's why we have belong groups so that you can find other people and, and go deep in Christ with other people, be rooted together with one another, but that's a whole nother message. So walk, walk rooted, walk built up. Next is walk established. Walk established, and, and this, I, I felt strongly this is for somebody this morning. What it means by walk established, is walk, he says be established in the faith. What I think he means is that we overcome failure by faith. It's for somebody. Right now you're feeling like, yep, this is me. I need to be walk. I need to start walking. This is my time to walk. It's I need to walk. I need to be rooted. I need to be built up. And here's the deal. I love you. It's the deal. You're gonna fail. I love you. You're gonna fail. You're gonna fall. You're, you're gonna like, you're gonna go, I am never logging in and looking at that stuff again. And then you're gonna do it. I'm never gonna lose my temper with my kids again. I am, I'm done with that. I'm gonna walk in love. And then one of your kids is gonna do that thing that makes your left eye kind of twitch and you're gonna lose it. You're, you're gonna go, man, I am, I am going to be a faithful witness of the gospel to my friends and family. And your family's gonna walk up to you and go, what is it you believe again? And you're gonna totally chicken out. You're gonna fail and you're gonna fall. This is why I think Paul says you need to be established in faith, because here's the deal. This, tell me if, this is, if you're like me. Tell me if you're like most people I talk to. You fail, you, you look at the thing again, you think the thought again, you don't do the right that you should do, you do the wrong that you know you shouldn't do, you, you fail to, to be the witness you know you're called to be, you, you, you don't give when you know you ought to give, you, 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 whatever it might be. Guilt comes in, right? Conviction comes in. And what do you do? I go, <laughs> I'm gonna get up earlier tomorrow and read my Bible more. I'm gonna pray like twice as much as usual and I'm gonna go to church for like a week and then I'll go back to God and tell him how sorry I am. I'll, I'll try to, what I, what, he, what I mean is this, you're gonna try to earn somehow, show that you're worthy of being forgiven. I'm really, really sorry this time. But here's the deal, I love you. You've never been worthy of being forgiven. You are unworthy of forgiveness. The reality is, he doesn't care. So the right answer is to be established not, listen to me, not, he doesn't say be established in your ability to walk. He says be established in faith. So what would that look like when you fail? What that would look like is this, the moment you fail, the moment, the instant, the second you recognize I blew it, you don't go, okay, I'm gonna somehow earn his forgiveness now. I'm gonna show him that I'm really sorry. I'll cry. I don't do that very well, so I'll, I'll cry. I'll chop onions and cry. I'll read the Bible, and this time I'll do it in the King James. No, what you do at that moment is you run to him in faith, believing that, no, Jesus, you you, when you died 2,000 years ago, you died for that sin. I didn't know it was there, but you knew it was gonna be there. And in faith, listen to me, beloved, in faith, I go, I'm still his. I'm st I am still who he says I am. 
I am still reconciled to him and I am still and I'm still putting that thing to death and I'm still free in him and that grace that has forgiven me is freeing me and even though I might not look like it on the outside I am the righteousness of Christ and that's not an excuse to stop walking that's the way we walk that's how you keep walking because if you don't do this here's the deal there's no power for you to overcome that So you fall and you just stay fallen for a while. No, the moment of your falling, the very instant, you don't come to him, listen to me, as some sort of groveling, begging, please, if you just forgive me one more time, I won't do it again. I think Jesus is sort of like laughing. You know, I'm gonna be totally honest, because he's going like, yeah, you will. I already saw it. But what I said 2,000 years ago is still true. It's paid in full. So get up and start walking again. See, we, we, we think we overcome failure by trying harder. But that's, we suck at trying harder. You want to know why? Because it's harder. And you suck at trying as much as you do now. What do you, do you think trying, I love the phrase, and pull myself up on my bootstraps. How does that exactly work in a physical level? <laughs> you're on the ground and you're gonna grab your bootstraps and you're gonna pull on them real hard. Dr. Phil moment, how's that working for you? We don't overcome by trying harder. We, this is the way I put it for years is we don't overcome by trying harder, we overcome by trusting more. I lean into him in that moment. I go, no, I I. I am still yours. We come boldly before the throne room of grace to find help in our time of need. Not two weeks later after we've cried a lot and confessed our sin to somebody else and somehow made ourselves feel like we now earned or are worthy or have somehow made ourselves be able to you know, receive his grace. Grace that you think you've earned isn't grace. Grace is a gift. That's why he says you need to be established in this thing. You need to be established in it. You say, no, the moment we fall, no, I am a child of God. I am reconciled to him, not because of what I've done, but all because of what he's done. And I'm not going to allow the lie that this sin is trying to tell me that I'm not his to keep me from him. We walk rooted. We walk built up. We walk established in him, in him, in the faith, in him. I stand in his perfection, not in my performance. Are you with me? Last but not least, I I'm, I'm, I'm got here as fast as I could. Walk abounding. Now, most of you are gonna think that this is the part of the sermon where I switch and I go into prosperity gospel time, but it's not. Bummer, I thought I'd get a few amens from people that believe the true gospel. Um, <laughs> abounding, what he means is abounding in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is grace-fueled joy. That literally, Thanksgiving, the, the, the Greek word here, Thanksgiving. He says, so let's read it again. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do I walk in him, Paul? Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, literally, the word thanksgiving in the Greek, I, I, this blew me away, is, is, is the coming together of two separate words in Greek that are kind of mixed together. And literally, it's grace and joy. It's grace 
and it's joy. We walk with joy knowing it's all by grace. That my overcoming is by his grace. That my freedom is by his grace. That my forgiving is by his grace. That his grace is way more powerful and way more capable than my sin. So as I stay rooted in him, his grace will overcome my sin. So that while I may fail now, I'm not gonna keep failing. I'm gonna learn to walk and overcome failure by faith. That this, this, this happens to me and what, what begins to happen as we walk this path sometimes is we lose sight of this. And I think if, if I'm gonna be totally honest, if, if, the enemy, if, if the enemy of our soul is gonna try to attack one of these four, it's gonna be this one. Because what he wants to do is make walking rooted, walking built up, and walking established into drudgery instead of joy. Like, oh, I have to do this again. I hate this. No, beloved, thanksgiving, (laughs) let me put it this way. Um, Thanksgiving is like putting a rocket filled with the fuel of grace onto your life. Learning to live in the joy of his grace. Living from a place of thanksgiving. When was the last time, listen to me, that you just stopped and went, Jesus, thank you that I'm saved. Do you recognize the impossibility of your reconciliation? Or have you grown so accustomed to it that you somehow think it's yours by right now? He did it all for you. You received it. Just as you received it, so walk in him. In the awareness that he did it all. When not only could you not do it all, the Bible says you didn't even want him to do it all. The joy that is meant to come forth in the midst of all of that, where we recognize that, man, grace leads to joy. And as I, as I find the joy in him, listen to me, I'm more rooted in him. And as I'm more rooted in him, I'm built up in him. As I'm built up in him, I overcome my failures by faith so that I'm established in faith and not failure, which only then leads to more, come on, Joy, which then just causes me to be rooted in him, established, built. Are you seeing how God works? He likes cycles. Or does everybody not recognize that winter is coming? And then spring will come, and then summer, and then fall, and then winter. God likes cycles because it's establishing something. It's a rhythm in our hearts and in our lives that is a gift from him. But beloved, we've got to do it with joy and thanksgiving. Christians need to stop looking like we baptize ourselves in lemon juice. Like we ought to be the most joy-filled people on the planet. And I'm not talking about wearing some sort of fake smile all the time and pretending like life is always, you know, wonderful and awesome and we just got to pretend like we're happy. I'm not talking about happy. I'm talking about joy, something that is far deeper and far more grounded in and something we can actually build our lives on. Let me help you down this path. This isn't bar my nose. Just let me help you down this path for a second. Thanksgiving, I believe, is supposed to grow as well. It starts with thanking him for everything he's done. Man, 
If your worship life, if your thanksgiving life, if your prayer, praise, joy life is running a little thin, just remember all that he has done for you. But listen, it can go deeper than that. Because we ought to not only praise him for what he has done, we ought to be praising him for what he is doing. Where, where he's doing something in my life and I, I, I allow myself to see it. I don't get blinded by all the, by all the failure and the discouragement, but, but I, I recognize what he's doing. This is why we need other believers in our life. Because we go, man, I just feel like I'm just, I'm really still struggling and I'm still really falling and I'm failing. And you have a brother that comes along and goes, you are, but man, Jesus in, in Christ, you are the righteousness of God. But listen, you're doing better than you used to be. Can I get an amen from mar- some married people? My wife told me it took me her about two years to, to get me trained to be nice. Just two years. I was pretty proud of that. Because um, I'm not by default nice. Like, why do I go to this church? Um, her and the Holy Spirit are helping me. Take some time. And, and we need other believers. So when we, we feel like we're really failing, we have some other believers to come around and remind us of how far we've come. It's another reason I think it's, it's good for believers to, 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 to prayer journal, to write down prayer, because you can go back and see like, wow, I used to struggle with that and I don't anymore. The grace has caused me to overcome. So we don't just thank him, we don't just praise him for what he's done, we thank him for what he's doing. But can I tell you another deeper level where we start to praise him just because of what he said? He, come on, he, he did the saving, he's doing the saving, but he's also promised, come on, a, a saving in our, in our future that is secured not by what we've done, but by all that he has done. And so we begin to praise him for stuff we haven't even seen yet. And we start worshiping him for all the glory and the majesty and the wonder that he's promised us. And we begin to, we begin to praise not from a place of, of what we had, not because of a place of what we have, but simply because of what he said. And we rejoice in that, and we, we find joy in what he's promised us. But beloved, can I tell you there's another level? Not just what he's done, not just what he's doing, and not even just what he's promised. There is a level that I believe is, is the, the, what we call in the worship department around here is the top of the mountain, where we don't worship him for what he's done, what he's doing, or what he's promised. We begin to worship him simply because of who he is. Where we just begin, this, when, we get to he- when, when we get pictures into heaven in the Bible, all they sing over and over and over again is holy, 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 holy. That's all they sang until after the cross. Revelation, we see this. They're singing holy, 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 and then the, the events of the cross are told from a heavenly perspective. The lamb is slain, and all of a sudden, all the angels gather again and go, I got a new one. They stand up and they go, worthy, worthy. All they say is holy, 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 worthy, 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 because of who he is. If your thankfulness, if your, if your, if your grace-fueled joy is deficient, just look at him. Look at all he's done, all he's doing, all he's promised, and all he is.